Welcome. We're glad to see you here today. I'm glad that you're able to get out in this cold weather. I've been talking to our friends from the north, and they say, this is not cold. <laughs> There's cold weather up there. This is warm, sunny Florida, right? We want to welcome those who are worshiping with us online as well. And we're delighted that all of you are here today as we wrap up this series on being bold. We've been talking about that, and this is the last message in that series. And I hope it'll be meaningful to you. Now, have you ever been in a situation where you felt nudged by the Holy Spirit to do something? It wasn't really something you thought of so much. This thought just came to your mind, and you said, well, I don't really want to do that. That's kind of out of my comfort zone, and the Holy Spirit's calling you to do something. Anybody ever done something like that? Yeah. And so uh, I remember years and years ago, Laura and I were in a restaurant in Pensacola, and I saw another minister, Methodist minister, who was there in the restaurant. He was eating lunch by himself, and uh, he didn't see us. And so I just felt this nudge, and I said, you know, what I want to do is I want to go buy this guy's lunch. And so I told Laura, she said, yeah, that'd be great. So I went up to the register, and I said, hey, find out how much his lunch is, and I'll pay for it and give a little tip. And so I did that, and then we just kind of sat back and waited and watched. We didn't even eat dessert. That was our dessert to get to watch him. And he went up there, and there was a big smile that came across his face when he found out that his bill had already been paid. What a blessing. And we just watched him. He smiled all the way out of the restaurant, and we did too. I, I don't know how excited he got about it. We got really excited about it. You know, it wasn't that big a deal, but it really blessed us. Have you ever been involved in something like that? A lot of times when we go to, I preach at the beach service occasionally, and Steve and I will flip-flop. And so if I preach at the beach, I just preach one time. And I don't know what to do with myself after that because I'm used to preaching at least three. And so Laura will tell me what to do with myself after that. She'll say, now that we got out, we're going to brunch because we don't ever get to go to brunch on Sunday. We're going to first watch. Y'all go to first watch? Yeah. And so I'll go to first watch. And if I go to first watch, here's what I've learned. I can't buy lunch there. Every time I go there, somebody from the church is already there, and they pay for my lunch. See, I tell them that story about how I bought that guy's lunch. <laughs> no, I don't really do that. But I don't even know they're in there, and they're getting ready to leave because they've already gotten in there earlier, and they're going out, and they'll pay for it. And so, you know, Laura, she likes to go there, so we go there, but that's not why. But anyway, that's what happens, okay? Well, sometimes the Holy Spirit just nudges you to do something. And, you, you know, sometimes you feel like, I don't know if I can do that or not. There's a guy named Craig Groeschel, and he said when he was in college, you know, in college, you don't have a lot of extra cash. But he said he was in college one Sunday, and he was sitting in church, and he, he noticed this lady, this older lady over here, and she's got kids, and, and he just sees her, and, you know, he, he doesn't really know her. But he feels this nudge from the Holy Spirit, take out the money in your wallet and give it to that lady. And he's like, well, Lord, I, I, that's weird. I, let me see if that comes from the throne of the pit. And then he, then he really, I mean, he was like, did the devil tell me? To, and he said, no, wait a minute. The devil wouldn't tell me to be generous, would he? And so, yeah, that's got to be from God. Okay, okay, I'll do it, you know. And he's, he's kind of, you know, arguing with himself about it. And so what he does is he said, well, let me see how much money I got. So he looks in his wallet. He's got $5. He said, $5? He said, I'd be so embarrassed. That's all I got. But $5, what's $5 going to do? But still, he started to put it back up. But, but the Holy Spirit just said, no. I want you to give it to that lady. And he said, okay. And so they had a little break in the service, and he said, ma'am, I, I know this is weird. I know we don't know each other, but I just felt like, you know, God wanted me to give you this. And, and he took that $5 bill, 
and he gave it to her. And he said he felt so awkward and weird about it, you know, and he said he wished it had been more. And he said that he was just going to kind of blow it off like it was no big deal and go back to his seat because it just made him feel weird. And then that woman started crying. She said, wait, 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 don't leave. Let me tell you. He said, I'm a single mom. This morning I got up and I wanted to go to church, but I didn't have any money for gasoline. I just had enough gas to get to church, and I didn't know if I could make it back home with my kids. And so I prayed, and I asked God, God, what do you want me to do? And God said, you get to church, and I'll get you home. So the lady on faith went to church, and she said, and then you gave me this $5 deal. And back then, $5 would go a lot further than it will now. And so sure enough, she took that money. And that was a way for her to get home. And he said, I thought, wow, that's incredible. I'm so happy for her because that was my lunch money for today. And I don't know what I'm going to do now. He said, after church, this guy came up to him and he said, hey, listen, you want to go to lunch? He said, I can't. <laughs> he didn't tell him why he didn't have a dime, you know. He said, no, no, come on, I'm buying. He said, okay, I can. <laughs> I can. I, it's been amazing, but I've been healed. I can go to lunch now. And so he said they went to lunch. Now listen to what happened. He said he got an $8 lunch for a $5 gift. Because what happens is that's how God works. And when you obey, he'll bless somebody else, but you'll get the overflow. Now that'll preach right there. I'm telling you the truth. God wants us to respond when the Holy Spirit prompts us. That's why we're on the earth. I don't care what you do for a living. But God puts us here in order that we might do his work. He didn't have to let us do that, but he chose to. He said, no, 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 I, I, I bought you. I paid for you. Now I'm going to let you be my hands and my feet and my voice and my heart. And I'm going to let you go out and be generous to other people so that we might draw them closer to me. And so it's an opportunity to do that. Now, let me tell you the context for what we're going to look at today in Acts chapter 5. We've been talking about this the whole month. You remember, you know, Peter and John were preaching and telling people about Jesus. And the Sanhedrin, they didn't like them talking about Jesus because Jesus, they were preaching that he'd been resurrected. They didn't believe in the resurrection. And so they kept telling them to stop. In fact, they kept putting them in jail. And then not only that, but, but they saw a man who'd been at the gate called Beautiful, and he'd been lame for 40 years, and he asked for some money. They said, we don't have any money. We gave our last $5 at church. But what we do have, in the name of Jesus Christ, stand up and walk. And the guy stood up and walked. I mean, it was a miracle, sure enough miracle. And, you know, only people like the Sadducees would get upset over that. <laughs> Looks like everybody could celebrate that, you know. Wait a minute, this guy's been begging for 40 years. He's been healed. But that's what happened. He was healed. And they said, hey, you got to stop doing that. That's not right. You can't be doing that stuff. They said, we're going to put you back in jail. The religious leaders were in a bind, though, because they'd been a part of that miracle. And they couldn't just put them in jail because everybody would rise up in revolt because of it. They all knew that guy. So they were praying, and people were being healed, and people were being led to the Lord. And they were casting out demons, and it was just getting out of hand, y'all. And so these, these Sadducees, they said, you know what's going to happen? If we don't shut this down, Rome's going to come in here and they're going to take away our power. And that's our resources. And then they're going to say, if you can't take care of this, we will. 
And that's where we pick up the story in Acts 5, verse 17. It says, Then the high priest and all the associates who were members of the party of the Sadducees were filled with what? Isn't that the saddest thing you've ever read? They were jealous of the way God was using these people to help people. What, what a sad, sad commentary on these folks. And they arrested the apostles and they put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. And then the angel said, go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people the full message of this new life. Now, there are three principles that we can experience here in bold obedience that we can learn from this scripture. First, bold obedience usually triggers opposition. Bold obedience usually triggers opposition. The religious leaders, what did they say? They were arrested, the apostles, and they put them in the public jail. Now, this was the second time that they'd been put in jail for doing what they were doing. Now, the Christian culture today says that's not right. That's not fair. God ought to take care of them. For example, let's just say I'm driving to church today, and I'm late, so I'm speeding, and I get pulled over, okay? And, and then I promptly remind God, you know, I'm your servant. I'm getting ready to go <laughs> preach your word. So I want you to just touch this officer right here and bless him and give me favor with him so that he won't give me a ticket. That's the way we think, isn't it? We think, I'm obeying God. I mean, I go to church once or twice a month. What's the big deal, right? I mean, I helped a lady across the street one time 40 years ago. You know, I'm not a bad guy. Something nice ought to happen. I'm obeying God. I ought to have a beautiful wife who loves the Bible, right? That's the way it ought to go. I'm obeying. We ought to have kids that never get sick. I mean, take, talk, talk to God about that. I should make an A on my algebra test because I read the Bible this morning. Isn't that enough? I mean, come on, right? My football team ought to be undefeated because I'm a strong Christian. Can somebody give me an amen on that? There you go, right. And that's the way we tend to think in our culture today. But the reality is when we're bold, we're going to face opposition. Listen, if you're not ready to face opposition for your obedience, you're not ready to be used by God. Look at the person next to you and say, did you just hear what he said? <laughs> if you're not ready to face opposition for your obedience, you're not ready to be used by God. Because when you obey God, opposition comes. Every time God has used me in my life is when I've been obedient in a significant way, there's been a time of opposition. I remember back, we started a new church years and years and years ago in Navarre, Florida. And my attitude was, they're all going to come to me and they're going to say, oh, look, this little young preacher boy is starting a new church. And he, well, let's just pray for him, right? Well, I mean, I was 29 years old. I thought everybody would be excited. You know what I got? A church. Why, why are you starting a church? Have you seen all the churches there are in town here? You think we need, you can't even swing a stick without hitting a church. Why, who, how, who are you? Who do you think you are? You're 29 years old. What do you think you, these people are already out here. What do you think you're going to do? It was opposition. Don't worry when you meet opposition for obeying God. Worry when you don't because you're probably not obeying God. 
I, I don't know what it would be for you. Maybe you're sick and tired of being in debt, and you want to do something radical to get out of debt. You talk to all your friends, and they say, oh, no, no, don't do that. Stay in debt like we are. It makes us feel better. <laughs> just borrow a lot of money. Get way, way, way in debt. We can all just sit around and cry about it together. We'll be miserable together. You know, if you step out like that, people don't understand it. When you obey God, you're going to get resistance. Let's say that you have the gift of dating jerks. <laughs> you are just a jerk magnet. All you've ever dated is jerks. I mean, somehow they just all find you and come out of the woodwork. And you're realizing something's not right here. <laughs> i got to do something differently. And so you say, you know what? I'm going to take a break from dating and jerks. And I'm just going to stay home and I'm going to spend time with God and ask him to renew my mind and give me a little wisdom about who I go out with next. And so it's Friday night and all your friends call and they say, we're going to the club. You ready to go? And you say, I'm not going. And they say, why not? What are you doing? And you say, I'm staying home and spending time with God. And they say, you are weird. You're just different. I don't even understand what you're talking about now. When you obey God, you're going to face opposition. But you don't worry when you do. Now, second, bold obedience often releases God's miracles. Bold obedience often releases God's miracles. When you obey, you can expect the supernatural. Now, if you look in, in the 19th chapter, Luke, the physician, wrote the book of Acts. And he's writing Acts, and listen to the statement that he makes here. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Now, you could just brush right over that real quick. But did you hear what you just read there? You were in jail, and an angel delivered you out of jail. It's just a statement. If that was me, it would be more like this. You ain't going to believe what happened last night. See, I was in jail. <laughs> Never mind why I got there. But I was in jail, and this angel showed up. He just walked right through the bars and came in the cell with me. Then he just opened the door and said, come on, guys, we're leaving. And we left, and I'm out because an angel got me out of jail last night. Wouldn't you be telling it like that? Luke doesn't do that. Have you noticed that? It's just a statement. It's amazing. An angel of the Lord opened the doors. No big deal. Just a statement. Why is that? Because when you walk in obedience to God, you're not surprised by the miracles of God. I'm not saying that nothing ever goes wrong. I mean, the guys were in prison. It was a bad day, okay? But the angel showed up and delivered them out. There's a preacher who tells a story, this really happened, of telling his congregation that they ought to pray bold prayers. And he said his 10-year-old son Sam came up to him and he said, Daddy, I was listening in church today. You said we need to pray bold prayers. He said, I've decided what I'm going to pray. He said, what you going to pray, Sam? He said, I'm going to pray that God would send us some rain because we need it. The preacher said, yeah, we do live in a place that doesn't rain very much. We do need rain. And then the preacher pulled up his phone, looked at his app, and it said 0% chance of rain for the next 10 days. Well, he didn't want his son to have a bad experience. He said, now, Sam, I think that's great to pray bold like that. That's wonderful. But now, God might not be in the mood to make it rain, okay? <laughs> his son said, Daddy, you said to pray boldly. I'm going to pray for rain. Ten-year-old Sam said, God... 
I know it's not supposed to rain, but I believe you can make it rain. Would you send us some rain? We really need it. That was on Sunday. On Monday, that preacher said he was sitting in his office, minding his own business, when he heard something that sounded peculiarly like thunder. He hadn't heard it in so long. He said he got up from his seat and he walked out into the parking lot and he looked up and there was liquid falling down out of the sky. He said he called Sam up. He said, Sam, you see what's happening? It's raining. He said, well, duh, Dad. I mean, you told us to pray boldly. I asked God for rain. It's here. What's the big deal, right? When you walk in obedience to God in faith, you're not shocked when God does something supernatural. And then third, Bold obedience always requires faith. Every time God prompts you to do something bold, you're going to have to take a step of faith to be obedient to him. Look in verse 20. It says, The angel of the Lord tells them, Go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people the full message of this new life. In other words, here's what I want you to do. Remember what got you arrested the last two times? I want you to go do that again, okay? But I mean, they've already been in the jail with the angel. Now they're going, okay, if I get thrown in jail, the angel just bail me out. Sounds good to me. So they go and do that, right? And at daybreak, they entered the temple courts as they had been told and began to teach the people. Isn't that amazing? They did what God asked them to do through the angel. Now, when God prompts you to do something bold, it's going to take faith. You know, if you're like me, I, I have a lot of questions. You can ask my family or the staff. They pray for me all the time. They pray for themselves all the time because they work with me. And I've all the time, I've, I'm curious. I ask myself questions. I want to know things. You know, I'm always trying to learn stuff. And, you know, I don't know much, so there's a lot to learn, right? And so, you know, I'm, I'm always, can you give me some details about that, Lord? Could you tell? Let me see just a little bit further down the road, you see there. And, and that's not the way God works. Bold obedience always requires faith. I guarantee you, if you ask God for details, he's going to say, you can't handle the details. If I gave you the details, you wouldn't even try. You wouldn't even go out there and, and give it a shot. You look back and you say, man, I didn't know it was going to be that tough. But, you know, God saw me through. You know, and he says, you can't handle the details. You wouldn't do it. For example, let's say you start obeying God. Where do you start? Well, you're going to read the Bible. And you turn to the Bible and it says, His word is a lamp unto our feet. What does that mean? It means that that lamp shines on our feet. When that lamp shines on our feet, we can only see like one or two steps ahead. We, we can't see 20 steps. You know, we can't see the details. We just got to take one step at a time and trust God. Daily, we're just taking... Lord, ask me to do this. Okay, I'm going to take this step. And that's what we do. We can't see down the road. We don't know. You just do the last thing God asks you to do, and you do it to obey in faith. Without faith, the Bible says, it is impossible to please God. It's impossible. to. Don't you want to please God? You've got to have faith. When God calls you to, to obey, you've got to have faith. And I love verse 21. Watch what the apostles did. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts as they had been told, and began to teach the people. You see what they did not do there? They didn't delay. They didn't wait around and talk about it. They didn't say, you think God's going to show up if we do this? They just did it. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Partial obedience 
is disobedience. Whenever God prompts you to do something, you do it completely and you do it immediately because he's prompted you. It may seem like a big thing, may seem like a small thing, but you just go on and do it. You don't know what he's got planned. And because of their obedience, what happened? The religious leaders changed. They all came back and got saved, right? No. They came back and gave them grief. And here's what they said. We gave you strict orders not to teach in what name? This name. He said, they won't even talk about Jesus, will they? We gave you strict orders not to talk in this name. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than men. You know, they've already been thrown in jail twice. A lot of times the, the disciples were persecuted for their faith. They don't really know what's going to happen. But they said, we've got to obey God rather than men. What did we learn earlier in this season, this series? We speak boldly about what we believe deeply. That's right. And church, when you fall in love with Jesus, you won't really care what anybody else thinks, what anybody else says, how foolish you think it makes you look. You become a servant that must obey God rather than men. You see, they said, hey, listen, you can't stop us from telling about what God has done for us. You can beat us. You can throw us in jail, you know, but, but we're still going to tell the story to other people because we must obey God rather than men. Now, let me tell you a story real quick, and I'm going to wrap this up. A long, long time ago, back in the 1950s, there were a group of people that wanted a church out here on the beach. And so they got together, and they started meeting in a house, and, and they prayed, and they said, we'd like to have a church out here, and God, would you help us develop a church? And then pretty soon they got some land in the Woodlawn subdivision. You come over the Hathaway Bridge from town, you get to the first light, you take a right, that's Woodlawn. You go back in there, and you can see the original Woodlawn Church. Now it's the Cornerstone Church. It's a Baptist church back there. But they prayed, and they said, would you give us a church? A lot of the people who came were people who lived in that neighborhood. The Navy base had gotten here. There were people in that neighborhood, and the development of commercial development was right there on the corner. A lot of things weren't out here then, but they started. 1957, they opened up the year I was born. I know you think I'm a lot younger than that, but I'm not. I, you can tell. And so they, they met there, and God blessed them, and they were there for years and years. But then they were inside this neighborhood, and people couldn't see them, and the place started growing, and, you know, they, the highway is getting busier out there, and nobody knows they're there, and, and everything's moving further to the west. And, and so then th there was a pastor here by the name of Ron Ball, and he started talking to them about relocating. And they started praying about that. Now, not many churches will do that. Because, you know, you got a lot of memories in that church. And your family, you know, you, this is where they were baptized. This is where they got saved. And there's all kinds of positive things. You, this is where you met God, you know. But, but the people prayed and they said, well, Lord, we'll, we'll do it. If that's what you're calling us to do, we'll do it. And so they did. And they came out here and they got land and they got it cheap. I mean, it was amazing how that worked out right out here. And, you know, some other places fell through, but this one just opened up. And then they didn't even have to build the road in off the highway because they said, we're going to build a high school across the street, so we'll put the road in for you. They said, thank you, Jesus, for that. And they started meeting here. And, and if you go back and you look, you'll see how the church just started to take off after that because people could see it. Driving down the highway, people talked about it. They could see it. And the spirit of the people in the church was... 
Hey, you know, I'm willing to sacrifice convenience to save souls. Well, if you're going to bring God into it, I guess okay, right? And they did, and they came, and some of them, most of them all came. You know, a few of them struggled with it a little bit, and they said, I'm not so sure. And then they got here, and they saw how God blessed them and brought people in. And they said, oh, yeah, I can see it now. Years ago, I was serving a new church, and we had one service at 11 o'clock, and then we outgrew that service. That was all we could get, and so we started a second service at 8.30. We had Sunday school at 9.45, as God intended, right, the holy hour. And so 8.30, 9, 9.45 Sunday school, worship at 11. Well, then we outgrew that space, and so we said, we got to do something. So we're going to have to start a third service. A third service? What are you talking about? Have you lost your mind? When are we going to do that? 9.45? That's the Holy Sunday School Hour. We can't do that. I said, well, wait, wait, wait. Now we can if we just are creative here. What we're going to do is we're going to offer Sunday School at different times. Can God go to Sunday School at different times? He went to worship, didn't he? Okay. So what we're going to do is we're going to have Sunday School. We'll do it for one service, then two, and then three. Well, pretty soon what happened was that all three of those hours we had Sunday School, and all three of those hours... We had worship. Now, initially, it hurt Sunday school, but ultimately, we had more people in Sunday school and more people in worship than we ever had. We were literally having to usher people up to the choir loft at the middle service because we did not have a seat or a wall to stand against. There was nothing left. We said, what are we going to do? Well, we got to start another service. didn't cost anything to start another service, right? Who's going to preach it? Well, you are a preacher. Who do you think was going to preach it? What time are we going to do it? 7 a.m.? I am so sorry I taught you all this. Okay, so now i got to preach four times on Sunday morning, right? And I'll get up and I'll preach at 7 a.m. And by the 11 o'clock service, I don't even know what I'm talking about. And I don't care. I'm just preaching. I'm just trying to get through, right? And then my family would go down to this restaurant and we would eat lunch together. And then I'd go home and pass out. I'd just be comatose, right? Well, there was this Assembly of God preacher friend of mine who lived in our neighborhood. And he would always be coming in the restaurant as we were leaving. I said, Greg, let me get this straight. I preach four times on Sunday morning. You preach once. I get here, eat my lunch, and I'm heading home, and you're just coming into the restaurant. I said, you got to get a method, son. I'm a Methodist. I got a method. You got to back that thing up or something because you're getting here way too late. He would just laugh at me. He'd go in and eat. And then he lived in my neighborhood. So you know what he'd do? He'd wait for me to go home and take a nap. He'd drive by my house. He'd say to his family, watch this. Home! I said, there goes Greg going home. Now I can lay down and take a nap. I know he's gone, right? But, you know, we did that so we might reach more people. And that's what Woodlawn did. And, and they came here, and God has blessed this church abundantly. We've been doing 21 days of prayer it's been wonderful. Now, let me tell you what you can do. If you weren't able to come to any of that, they've never done this before. But for the next 21 days, you can go to our website. You can go online, and you can go, and you can watch the services. You can pick a service and watch it that day, and you can spend time in prayer. I want to encourage you, if you did not do it, if you could not be here, if you didn't participate, you have missed a blessing. You just ask anybody who went, They'll stand up and give you a testimony about it. The, the ones who watched it online, just try it. you got nothing to lose, and it'll bless your heart. You know, it was hard. It was difficult to get up and go, but then you were so thankful that you did every day. I never went home saying, well, I'm not coming back tomorrow. That wasn't worth it. It was always, 
a blessing. It really was. And so I, I, I want you to do it for your benefit. I, I want you to be blessed by it. It's a blessing because you know what? I don't think God's through with Woodlawn. He didn't bring us this far to leave us. He didn't teach us to swim to let us drown. He didn't build his home in us to move away. He didn't lift us up to let us down. There's no telling what God's going to do in the future. Can you imagine a whole church full of folks praying and saying, Yes, Lord, I'll go. I'll do it. I'll do whatever you want me to do. You think God could use a church like that? Think God would bless a church like that? Let's pray. Father, we're just so thankful that you call us to do things. Call us to do things that are out of our comfort zone. You give us a front row seat to watch you work. And I just pray, Lord, that we'll be faithful and obedient. And we will quickly respond. I pray in Jesus' name.